Hello and welcome to Court Games, a Legend of the Five Rings role-playing game podcast, paid for by the Legend of the Five Rings community Discord Patreon. This podcast will focus on the role-playing game stories and lore for Legend of the Five Rings. I'm Kova. And I'm Kakita Kaori. And in this week's podcast, we're going to be looking over Giri and Ninjo and the various mechanics. And for our lore segment, we're going to be looking at Kabuki, No, and Draw Lot plays. So we're going to go to the theatre. Alright. Not that they are not related to Ninjo and Giri, of course. They could they could well be, obviously, yeah. Alright. Um so uh in our Patreon, if you for our Patreon members, we gave them the option of voting on what topic they wanted us to cover next. So mm-hmm. we got Ninjo and Giri. So I thought we'd start up talking about primarily Ninjo, but overall the conflict between Giri and Ninjo Ninjo or past and ninjo make up the core conflicts that are in much of samurai drama and that's really really the key focus for the fifth edition of the l5r game absolutely it's it's a key focus of your character and it's something that your gm should hopefully be using to help shape adventures so that it's a way of you telling the gm and what you want to be seeing and what you want your character to be right so what's ninjo Ninjo is your human feelings, your personal desires, your ideals, uh, a question that's keeping you going, something that will, something that can end up testing your honor or your obligations, because it's it's what you want to do rather than what you need to do. It can it can also be something that your character needs or at least thinks they need for what you might call self actualization. What would make them feel like a more complete person what what would they need in order to feel that they have accomplished something I mean, right that's a big thing right so sometimes uh well it was when you pick one you want it to be something that you can work on when you have nothing else to be doing your your character yep. is following this adventure but whenever the eye of the world is not looking at them they are working mm. on the stuff that they want to work on rather than what they have to um absolutely it is a how do I put this? It is something that would be counter to being that hundred percent perfect fit within the role that society has assigned mm. you. So we talked about Confucianism in a previous podcast and how that applies to honor and how one of the ideals of Confucianism is that you fulfill a role in society. Uh, and you try to live that role as virtuously and perfectly as possible. Right, a ninja is something that counteracts one or more of your roles. So you're not being the perfect. All of these weight of the social burden put on you because you individually have desires and needs and wants, and therefore you conflict with your uh, your role in society. Um, it doesn't have to conflict directly with your duty, though. It could it, it more conflicts with being the perfect whatever it is. Um, so it could be it should be strong enough that you can potentially actually break out of the role, um, do something like defying an order from a lord, or at least making you want to defy an order from a, from your lord. It's not necessarily a flaw in your character. It's not something that's necessarily completely counters. Not like like 
She's like, you into that? Oh my God, I no longer think of you as the perfect samurai. But it can and really should conflict with what you're meant to be doing right now. Like, it's perfectly reasonable to want to be a really good duelist. I want to be the best duelist. That's perfectly within the realms of a ninja, but it's also something that would make sense for a samurai to want to be. But if your actual job right now is guard this courtier and that courtier is not getting into trouble so you're not getting into any duels so you're there's a conflict now between your guildy and your ninja that's perfectly fine but right. so there's, there's there's a bunch of possibilities mm-hmm. so you need to remember that and this is something that i found was easy to overlook in the book um mm. that when you are doing something that is counter to your ninja so right, something yeah. you really don't want to do or you know, stopping you from doing something you really want to do, you should it it nets you strife. It mm. it nets you three strife right there. It can yeah. gain you honor if you are acting counter to your ninja because you are fulfilling your role. You're doing your duty even if you don't yeah. want to. That's um, a sacrifice, right? That you that you need for honor gains. Yep, sacrifice but, could be good. Right, but you gain that strife because you're not doing the things mm. you want to do. On the counter side, Ninjo is good. If you do spend a downtime or a narrative scene actually pursuing your Ninjo, it removes all your strife. So, which is pretty neat. Which is, yes, that's really good. It's one of the few ways yeah. that you can get rid of all of it at once. I, I do want to make a slight distinction between your Ninjo and your passion. Yes. Because passion does kind of sound a bit like this. But the difference is a ninja is something long-term that you want to do because it makes your character feel like they will have achieved something. They will have become better or they'll feel like they're becoming truer to themselves. Something on those lines. A passion is something that makes you happy in the moment, right? So, like, the example I was thinking of, like, the, the person with the ninja of Be Best Duelist but their giddy is guard this courtier. They could have a passion for tea, right? So they get to spend some time talking about tea and stuff like that. That makes them happy and relaxed in the moment, so they lose some strife, but it's still not getting them closer to their goal of be best duelist, which is a more of a long-term thing. So that's how you can separate those two ideas. Right, a passion is smaller than a mm, ninja. Smaller and, and, yes, it's smaller and... Uh, short term it's in the now what, right. what can i do right now to make myself feel less stressed mm-hmm. now once you have finished an, a ninja especially if it's mm-hmm. one that can be completed um yep. you could change goals to another another one maybe out of the consequences of what you've already done or you yep. could retire the character and say it's done i was gonna yeah the, it, there's nothing wrong with having a ninja that honestly can't ever be right. resolved because that's the thing that people do is like i want to be the best artist not necessarily the best artist in rock again but the best artist i can be mm-hmm. and there's always an improvement to make there's always something better to do there's always another hill to and that's fine that's actually that can be a really good ninja but that can also be resolved in a different way which is when your character thinks actually pursuing this is not is no longer relevant to me i wish to do something else and that that can be a different sort of resolution right so you shouldn't work with your GM. This is your place as a character to say, I want to do this in my game. Really, that's, yeah. the, that's the strongest spot. So you definitely want to work with the GM if a ninja is not working. That's important. Yeah, yeah, because 
the, the, the GM's got to make stuff happen that brings that up or, or conflicts with it or, you know, just, just does something. Otherwise, it's just sitting there. Now, mm. NPCs in L5R also have Geary and Ninjos. Yep. And they are useful for you as a character to find out. Um, one way you can find out a ninja is with a rank one shuji called Shallow Waters, where you can spend two water opportunities to learn a character's ninja. Um, this is very useful when you have people who have an honest duty, like a guard, for example, or... Mm -hmm you know, bushi, samurai, something like that, where yeah. you know what their assigned job is, but you think that they might be doing something that causes them to be compromised in some fashion. Right, right. Is there something that would tempt that guard off of his duty? Yeah. Or, or if we... you had, if you want to give them a nice gift that would make them feel, you know, better disposed towards you. <laughs> any other possibilities. Right. Yeah. So when the duty is strongly known, then this is this is the one you want to go for the yeah. inf more information. You can also use it as an intrigue goal. It's called you use the appeal to persuasion, um, intrigue, and the target number and momentum is their vigilance. Mm. So you can intrigue your way into enough momentum points to find out their ninja. Yeah, and you should probably be aware that some NPCs are going to have abilities that are similar to that. They don't use quite the same abilities that player characters do but someone who's a very good courtier may be able to do that to yourself for good or bad depending <laughs> indeed on who they are um, there are some different types of ninja general basic broad uh, types of ninja you could have there are positive ones like you want to create an item or achieve a specific task so be the best duelist i think would be a positive one right these ones are the best kind it's best to have a positive nino that means you mm. definitely can act on it on your own you don't need a gm yeah. to initiate any play to get that one rolling so those mm. are the best kind of ninjas for your characters you want to accomplish a task of some sort or be the best or somehow act forward it's not the only kind, though. You have no. negative ninjos, ninjos, which are not really talked about in the book, but sometimes you want to prevent a thing or you want to yeah. avoid a task or hide something from happening. And, and knowing that you got away with it or you prevented yeah, it yeah. is what relieves you. It's much more complicated to role play out mm. a negative ninja. So you... you you need to work out with your GM if you pick something where it's not you proactively doing something, it's you reacting to something. Yes, because um, the GM has to give you something to react to in that case, which is obviously more work for them. Right. Now, I'm yeah. playing, I'm running a Kikita Academy game, so I have uh, a bunch of Giris and Ninjos for kids. Yep. And it's actually a nice way to set it up because... A lot of these are young men and women, you know, going into their gimpuku. A child's ninja very often is, what do I want to do when I grow up? As opposed yes. to what my parents or clan might want you to do. So it's a very simple way. If you're having players who are confused about what Giri and ninja is, you know, think back to a kid. What did your parents want you to be when you grew up? As opposed to mm. what did you want to be when you grew up? There you yeah. go. <laughs> it's very straightforward. Uh, yes. Ronin are a slightly different type again because they are unlikely to have a giddy. 
because they are master of the samurai. They don't they don't have someone telling them what to do. So the conflict won't then be with their giddy. It's going to be with their past, which is what they have instead. So your ninja could be the future you want for yourself, and somehow your past is going to get in the way of that. There's going to be some conflict there, something that makes... The- there is a table in Path of Waves, page 63, which you can use to, to look for some ideas. And that's actually, you can apply that to other samurai as well, to even clan the samurai. Right. So you don't have to have a ninjo or a, a giri and, and ninjo that doesn't have a past. The, the, all the items on the Path of Waves ninjo table are good for regular samurai as well. Yep. It's just they're custom designed a little bit more to conflict with your past rather than mm. your lord's orders. That's all. <laughs> so, so uh, moving on giri. to Giri. Um, mm. Giri is your sworn duty. Um, that's the task you are supposed to complete, regardless of your feelings towards it, which yep. is... It's what you have to do, are expected to do, are demanded by society, and your role in society to do it. It's, mm. you know, going back to that honor table, it's the fulfillment of your role oftentimes. Could be just yes. your job, and that's usually where people are seem in play to be falling back on it. But it doesn't yeah, that- have to be your assigned job. It doesn't even exactly, have to be exactly. related to your role as a samurai. It could be related to your role as a daughter or a mother or a descendant mm. or one of the other hats you might wear in society. It's a thing I've talked about before, which is that the, the, there is essentially kind of standing orders kind of giddy, which is like you have to pay attention to your parents or you have to venerate them and you have to pay deference to people who are of higher – you're older than you. And you must avenge your family if there's the kind of a standing orders kind of giddy, not just the you have been ordered to be the Yojimbo to this guy, which is your current duty. Right. So that's another sort of giddy to, to maybe that might be your conflict. Indeed. Um, you can have the problem with having it be your PC's current job is that it tends to be the same for all the PCs because you're all signed to go do mm. something together. And that's kind yep. of boring. Um, it is yeah, better yeah, yeah. when you have a, if the PCs maybe have a second job on the side that is their mm. giri. So you're all magistrates, but you over there, you're only a magistrate because your local lord, you know, wants to be informed first about any uh, investigations going in, on in your yeah. territory. So your giri would be inform your local lord of all investigations going on in his territory. And another one might be, um, okay, your your current duty is be your Jimbo to this courtier. But you could have a secondary one of make sure these trade talks go properly by whatever means necessary and things like that. It could be like put these... Um, you know, put your clan, make sure your clan comes out looking good in this situation. So yes, you're a magistrate, but you're you're specifically there to demonstrate that your crab clan character, you know, the crab are actually perfectly capable of behaving in civilized society. That's your job. That's your secondary giddy as opposed no, to go with be a magistrate. 
<laughs> right. So um, you can end up with more than one Giri. And mm. if you do end up in a situation and you end up with Giri that conflict with each other, that's a huge staple of samurai drama. You, you're you assigned to do is. this job and you also have this job. If yeah, that happens, I mean, you might want to downplay the ninja a bit because you're busy angsting about your two jobs. Yes. Yeah. I mean, giddy versus giddy is a big one. Like, like I'm supposed to, I know that I should be avenging my father's murder, but at the same time, I'm also supposed to be making sure these uh, trade negotiations go well. And my clan doesn't look like a bunch of bloodthirsty murderers. And all it's I like, really mm, do want is to go garden in the Yeah, but that's that's garden. really on the back burner now. There's like two <laughs> things in front of it now. Exactly. I, I need some tea. I need some tea. <laughs> <laughs> but if I ever get a moment to garden, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so the giddy <laughs> tends to come from the GM, whereas ninjo tends to come from the player. But the player should still have some input, I think. Yes. Um, you, as a GM, you should remember that if the player does succeed at their giri, they should get a mm. glory reward of of ten or more. Is what it recommends. So big glory reward. Big. That's big. That's yes. a rank. But mm. if they fail it, yeah, it should be something where they lose ten glory or more. So if your giri was, you know, save and your Jimbo Kikita Asami, and she mm. gets oft you lose 10 yeah. glory but if you look out then the most you get is a new geary and a yeah new job to do yeah yeah so so yeah there are actual mechanical benefits to it which is really um designing it is obviously a big thing you want to make sure that it does conflict or at least goes sideways so sometimes you're going to be kind of pulled in two directions with it um you don't necessarily have to make them absolutely opposite to one another one and one they don't actually have to be opposite to one another. They just have to sometimes get in the way of one another. I think another thing is um, they need to, it, the giddy needs to be achievable or at least orderable. Like it, it, it's something that an order could be given to do that. That would make sense. You're unlikely to be told, now you must go and become the best artist in the world. But, you know. Right, but but more likely to you must represent us very well in this upcoming competition. Right, it's important. Unlike Nino, where you can always keep working on it, and you gain and lose strife depending on relation to it, to it, but not whether or not you succeeded or not. The benefit of a giri is on its accomplishment. Yeah, you know, getting yeah. the glory or losing the glory when it's done. So yeah. you really want to keep these bite-sized or at least um achievable in some fashion um yeah yeah so, i mean i think there may well uh, be also, ones one of the ways to think about it they use in the book is an alternate instead of geary if you have too much of a hard time thinking of these things it's just think of it as an appointed quest it is your quest that you have been assigned to find the holy there are shuji that work on giddy there's the rank one weight of duty, which is uh, two opportunities to learn a character's giddy. So that's good with captured bad guys who might be working for someone else. Uh, if you want to find out why that shinobi was trying to stab you, that might be a good way of doing that. In fact, finding out someone's giddy is probably tremendously useful in, in possible situations. <laughs> um, the intrigue goal uh, of type appeal to persuasion 
with attack number of the target's vigilance is another way of finding out someone's giddy should you need. Right. Um, types of geary that you can have, um, they can be very broad. Um, they like serve as an excellent follower to of this kind, a magistrate or whatever, to a lord. Or bring honor to your school or maintain yeah. the family reputation. Reputation. These are very broad giddies. Uh, yeah. Or they can be very narrow. They can be be the sworn bodyguard of this particular person or destroy this competing dojo or retrieve this lost family artifact. Yeah. I mean, narrow doesn't necessarily mean short. I mean, retrieve the family artifact could be a long and involved quest. But right. it is obviously narrower than be a really good, fine, upstanding crab. So everyone thinks the crab are awesome now. <laughs> That's a much broader. Uh, for children, their giddy could be, what do my parents want me to be when I grow up? As opposed to what do I want to be? So that could be a conflict right there for parents. For That could be a conflict right there for children or characters who are right out of the 20 questions. And are just right now doing the Topaz Championship mm-hmm. as an example. And your Ronin, their giddy is in fact their past. It's why they are Ronin, what's led them to be where they are now, which always haunts you when you're Ronin. Always, always, always. Right. It fulfills the same job. And it tends to be, it's easier to think of it as more what you, either what you have to do or what you have to fight against Mm. to succeed in your life. Uh, What's dragging you down, dragging you back, as opposed to what you want to do. So for Absolutely. Ronins, one of the a lot of the varieties of available Geary they have in Path of Waves were running away from something, a sworn enemy, a debt, mm-hmm. an accusation, a reputation, or your family. <laughs> just, uh, yeah. just something you're running away from. Um, they didn't include any, but you can also have uh, pasts for a Ronin that are being you being driven towards something against your will yeah like a prophecy yeah. uh is is a big you know supernatural one uh an obligation of vengeance uh something that, like that's that. a big one that that's a very common one i mean that's the lone wolf and cub past mm-hmm. if you think about it because he's he's driven constantly towards vengeance and whether whether or not you consider that his ninja but i think it's rather more that's his past that's what is driving him forwards, and that's what he must do. And that's not what he times. wants to do all the time. No, no, I think he wants to look after his kid and have a happy life. Right. So how do you use these? Well, the book is very interesting in it because it almost puts these over the creation of a campaign in the way that we would normally think of it for other RPGs. Mm. Um, basically, they talk about complications, and a complication is a small like narrative turn in a game that introduces or is caused by or otherwise brings up a character's giri or ninja. Yeah. Um, so it could just be, oh, dropped in there, like, oh, you get a letter from so-and-so and it brings it up. Or it could be you rip the mask off the bad guy at the end and it's the person who killed your family. Um, yeah. It, it can and be like any of those. Um, yep. So even just even just a mention of the thing, kind of in passing, right? So it's it's a small narrative turn. Each character shouldn't get any more than one complication a session. Um, Mm. If the player wishes, 
they can choose to be very deeply moved by this complication. Like they, and mechanically what that means is they gain three strife and avoid point. So you can pretty yeah. much say you're feeling low on void points as a player. Technically you can say, I think that this moment should touch upon my Geary and I'm really shaken by it. So I'm going to take three strife from it and yeah. avoid point. And the player L5R really encourages you to go to the GM and say, I haven't talked about my Geary for a while. Could you come up with some yep. reason that it would come in Hit me with to it. play here? And the GM should do that. Yeah. And in fact, the you have the Discord tracks in the core book, which is a, a GMing tool. And the idea is to run it, pretty much run entirely based off the ninja and giddy of the characters. So you basically, there's the means of, of there's ran, some randomization and stuff in here, but basically one player's giddy and another player's ninja should pop up. And this would then be kind of woven into the scenario in such a way that hopefully they, you know, maybe you'll try and create complications for those characters, maybe even intertwine them. And hopefully that should then make fire, interesting fireworks happen. So that's the, that's kind of the idea of it. And you can part pretty much use that as the basis for each scenario as you go. Right. And that's or, your whole game. Absolutely. That could be the whole game. You can also try and kind of weave it into an existing scenario you've got. That's possibly a little bit more challenging. Yeah. The way they have it set up, they do have this little thing called discord tracks um, mm. that, is basically a way to use the dice to say, I'm going to pick the Geary from you and the Ninjo from you, this other person, mm. this session and put them in conflicts with each other. And then next session, I'll yeah. randomly figure out another pair of players and put those in conflict with each other um, using think, the dice to make sure you don't focus on one. But, I think, I think it's, it's good because otherwise you can just keep, you can lose track. Mm-hmm. Easily enough, and you kind of oh, actually, and it's been oh, it's been ages since I've I've brought this player's ninja into into the game, and if the other player hasn't been like kind of oh, I haven't had anything, could you please do something for me? You can just accidentally lose track, and so I think it's a good way. This is kind of keeps things bubbling up to the surface. I do find it very hard, and in, in going over mm. it to work it into an overarching plot because you know game time is limited, and I usually want to do lots of things with my plots and have lots of stuff for my players mm. to do that are related to my story uh, and so yeah, yeah, like yeah. taking time away from the story to do all of these ninja and giri stuff is challenging for me um on the flip side uh you know it does help you not forget for large groups so yeah you've got all, if you have a large group you've got these so many giris and ninjas you can't hit everything mm. but on the other hand it, you know having them built into the mechanic means you don't forget so yeah i think that's that's very true so what are now, some examples we have so i've got a couple of examples um from a couple of films um twilight samurai is actually i i really i happen to really like this particular but you have iguchi sebe and his ninja is to love uh inuma tomoe who is his his lost love from a previous time and now he's poor and so he doesn't really feel worthy of her and that's kind of a thing and he wants to provide for his family those that's his ninja his giddy his specific mission 
is to kill a guy called Yogo Zenemon. And there is an additional com, uh, complication in that Zenemon is a samurai who backed the wrong side in a secession dispute, has failed to kill to commit seppuku, so he's failure of honor there. But his other situation, which is that he became a poor samurai because of the death of his wife and his family due to disease, that is a reflection of Seibei's own struggles, like his own past, if you like. So not only is this bringing up a conflict between his ninjo and his giddy, it's also reflecting on his, his struggles. So I think that's an interesting uh, example that you can look at there. And there's also the Hidden Blade. It's actually by the same director, which is interesting. You have uh, Katagiri Munezo, and his ninjo is to love Kie, who is a heimin maid. And his giddy is also to kill someone, which is Hazama Yachiro. And Yachiro is a former friend implicated in a failed political intrigue. So there's a thing going on. Additional complications here. More emotion. Munizo cannot marry Kie because of this status difference between the two. And his other problem is that his friend, first off, he's being told to kill his friend. That's a big thing. Um, but Yachiro was always the better swordsman. They were both taught by the same sensei. But Munezo was taught the hidden blade by their sensei. So Yachiro is always grumpy that Munezo got taught the hidden blade, even though Munezo keeps saying, look, it's not, it's not a fight. It's not a combat technique. That's not why you, know, you, you wouldn't have gotten taught it because it's not your thing. It's my thing. And it's fine. It's, you know, it doesn't mean you, you're bad at anything. But it's always been that kind of conflict between. Um, and the other interesting thing is that is the fact that the difference between their swordsmanship is so great that uh, Munizo has to go back to their sensei, uh, Toda Kansai, and learn, you know, please teach me something that will let me survive this encounter because otherwise he's going to kill me. So I think there's a lot of stuff going on. There's, there's stuff from their past. There's stuff with the social conditions because I would love to marry this person, but she's, she's beneath me in the social order, so I can't. He's my friend. I don't really want to do this you know, this giddy at all. And also there's our past and this is all, and I think there's a lot of stuff going in there to mine for emotional, emotional conflicts for you. Right. So a lot of the stories of giri and ninjo that we see in samurai movies or like those, or mm -hmm. uh, the stories trying to be told are in many ways duplicating the driving forces of uh, Japanese theater whether it's the 47 yes. Ronin, it's a mm -hmm. classic, or, or many, many other stories. They're, they're driven by the uh, tales told in Japanese theater. So we yep. thought we'd take some time out and talk a little bit about theater and uh, maybe have something for our Patreon supporters to listen to to get some more ideas for using the theater. So I the two basic forms, the, the, the two great forms of Japanese theater are no and kabuki. Indeed. So we'll do No first. Right. In real life, No was created as early as the 8th century, and it came to China, from China to Japan, uh, as Sagaku, which was a, a big show with acrobats and songs and dance. But it wasn't finalized until the 14th century with Konami Kiyotsugu, and he was sponsored by the Shogun. And so that kind of, once you're sponsored by the Shogun, everything has to be in the way that the Shogun mm -hmm. liked it. And so it kind of yes. sticks at that point. Yes, it, it came from very, re largely religious tradition. 
so there are a lot of themes to do with supernatural beings being turned into humans, heroic themes, mythology, that kind of thing. In uh, historical no plays, the performers were always male, and they would they would have very slow but increasing tempo and very standardized roles, which which involved masks generally. It's one of the key things about the the no theatre is the mask. Indeed. The the masks themselves are very traditional and cunningly made so you can change expression by the angle at which you are presenting the mask to the audience. And they're very valuable. They're just mm. these things are passed on for generations within a family. And Absolutely. Being as it's it's all chanted drama, it's performed with a chorus the way uh, Greek drama is uh, with a Hayashi mm-hmm. ensemble. And the actors do sometimes speak, but it's very poetic. Yes. Um, the, a- the motions are very much like a slow and stately dance more than it is a drama type movement. Right. So it's more like a dance with song that tells a story. Um, similar to Western Commedia dell'arte, um, there are these very standardized fixed roles. Uh, everyone has a shite. Is that how you pronounce it? Shite? Shite, I would say, yeah. A main actor or the main character, uh, and yes. a sure, which uh, accompanies that main character and they're the companion, and they will have a fixed mask so you know who they are. And then the yep. secondary characters uh, are the kukata or waki, and they don't wear masks. No. Um, they they're they're like sideline characters, and then all yep. the props are a fan. Pretty no much. What it is. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, sometimes like when when you do the thing of the, the god is showing you how you know swords are made, they may have a big prop sword making hammer, but fans are used for an all. <laughs> uh, there is a family trade, and it's perfectly acceptable. For, I mean, it was a thing that one of the shoguns, the fifth Tokugawa shogun, was famously very fond of performing no dramas, and so that was a big thing. Right. So it's very, so very you, it didn't matter your rank; you could be in the play. It it was That's absolutely well. aimed at the highest the echelons of society. Let's see. Uh, in Rokugan, there might be some differences um, mm. than in the real world. Given the the oldest, most respected theater form, which no is, and has these religious mm. o- overtones. In Rokugan, we have in the lore that it was created to honor the fortunes. So the fortunes yeah. were once mortals for the most part and so stories of their exploits would be yeah. told in this form um, yeah i, I think very I, there'll be things like high that. artistry training in rokugan um so where you might have a family of traveling no performers in the real world you would be more likely to have a an artisan academy with samurai cased actors doing no or religious mm actors doing no yep. than you would necessarily in the the other major form of theater would be kabuki which in the real world is much younger than no it's it came about in the Edo period 1600 it was actually a red light kind of body entertainment by female dancers and uh dancers and prostitutes it actually got banned for being too naughty because done by women oh my god how salacious and then it was done by boys, and then that was banned. And then eventually it was done by men playing all the roles, and that was fine. And so that's how... Because you wouldn't think um, any dirty thoughts about that. Well, 
Maybe. It got a bit, because there were the Onagata, who are the men who played women's roles, and there was some salaciousness, both <laughs> from the ladies, both from the ladies and the gentlemen, when it comes to the Onagata. So that was um, <laughs> interesting. One of the interesting things about the stage of the Kabuki is that there's actually about uh, about a third away along the audience, in actually straight through the audience, there's a, a pathway, the Hanamachi, the flower path, which is actually goes straight up to the stage. And so a lot of entrances and exits happen on that stage and quite a lot of the action happens on that part of the stage. So a, ho- a hero might make his way down to the stage through the audience. It's all sorts of fun special effects, uh, making actors fly with wires, uh, quick scene changes by the kudoko, who are the stagehands, like literally undoing people's clothing and then go, Foof! and then they've changed the clothes uh, with so quick costume changes. Rotating stages was another one. Trapdoors for people to appear and disappear. All sorts of fun stuff. So, yes, a skilled uh, stage manager uh, could do all kinds of interesting special effects that would I. Not be understood by superstitious hymen, for example. <laughs> I think they'd be aware of the existence of chapters, but it would be still be very, very spectacular. Right. So there are a couple of different kinds of kabuki plays. There's jide mono, which are about samurai historical events or historically staged version or commentary on current mm. events. And these are big and heroic often. Um, yes, I- more than a few are the kind of like talking about what actually is happening last week, but it's dressed up as hundreds of years ago, this thing happened. And so they, there's a bit of plausible deniability. We said, <laughs> hey, you're talking about us. Oh, no, I, I'm talking about this historical personage who's nothing to do with you. Honest. <laughs> right. Please don't kill me. And also there is uh, Suomono, which are about commoners, usually. Yep. And they are tragedy romances. Um, they often talk about the themes of societal pressure and limitation and conflicts. Of, uh, yep. I mean, the, historically, no was the theater that the samurai was supposed to enjoy. Kabuki was for the commoners. And theoretically, samurai shouldn't be going to that. Uh, although I suspect no one particularly cared about the lower status samurai. But if you're high status, you weren't supposed to be going to the kabuki. But that's why they invented big hats. <laughs> yes. Honestly. Let's see. Um the, Go ahead. The, the, one of the big distinctive things about Kabuki is the makeup. That's one of the big famous things. Along with the really big uh, dramatic costumes that had uh, dramatic makeup with white rice powder to make a, a base that's just base, pure white, and then colorful makeup on top of that. Um, and so you'd get the, the red was for heroes, and you get blue or black for villains, green for supernatural, purple for nobility, the the distinctive makeup of the geisha and also other high-ranking women. You know, very, very distinctive, largely because back in the day, before people had invented electricity and arc lighting, uh, things were, could be quite dim in the cavernous kind of stage. So they did their best with, with the lighting they got, but having really, really distinct, high-contrast makeup helped everyone see what on earth was actually going on. Um, it uses poet. Uh, it uses poses and call-outs. So you might have a hero step onto the stage, and then you have a plant in the audience going, 
that's the hero Takamaki. Yes, <laughs> and, uh, that's that's Momotaro and or whoever. Yeah, and and you have the big moments they call the mie, which is everyone kind of stops in the big kind of dramatic pose and they kind of stop still for a second and that's <gasps> and that's those are the big dramatic moments. And then you could get a Yukio, a prince of that mm. actor or plays that yeah. were popular at the time. They they were very very popular things. Uh, Plays for No and Kabuki, but since Kabuki is out with the commoners, it's more noted. Mm. Then there's a full day event. You go and you can pack up your family and you travel to wherever they're hosting it and settle down and have a picnic and watch plays all day. Yep, it's uh and and you 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 get things like the plays which would be very very famous stories and they might just be the selected highlights. Yeah, the, the the specific cool parts. Like if you're doing Robin Hood, you might not do absolutely everything, but you do the fight on the bridge with Little John because that's cool, and you you do the archery contest because everyone knows that bit, and you just kind of skip over the bit. So sometimes it's it's a greatest hits type stuff. Uh, in Rock Again, there is more of a focus on the samurai cast, at least as standards. Some of that is, I think, is AEG kind of wanting everything to be done by samurai because you can't have things done by common people because you don't play them. <laughs> yep. Dance-oriented, action-packed, less religious than no, but uh, I think there would still be mythological themes in there from time to time. It just wouldn't be like meditations on the proper behavior in Shinsei's and that kind of thing. It'd just be fights, and this is the exciting thing when they fought a monster. Right. <laughs> uh, the crane and the scorpion do try and make theirs... They, they promote art and artism, especially thinking of the Shoshiro actors. In my personal private rock again, there are all-male troops, who are very much like the traditional, actual, like modern-day Kabuki troops. So there's also all-female troops, and there are cross-gender troops, where the men play women and the women play men, but no same gender as where the men play men and the women play women. Just just because. <laughs> Fair enough. It can, yeah, because you get, you get the full traditional thing, but you're not you're not restricting it to one gender, but you're still having that kind of stuff, that element. Okay, so that's what we're going to talk. That's about uh, all we're going to cover for Kabuki and No. Um, however, we are going to talk a little bit more to our Patreons about about if you want to learn more and get some yes. ideas. We're going to be talking about different uh, styles of Kabuki that might be in different clans and things like that. All right. Well, um, but for now, I'd like to do a call out to our sister podcast and Patreon, um, which is the L5R LCG podcast with Trevor Cuba and Zara Agus. Uh, they talk about mostly the LCG, but also talk about the lore sometimes. So we want to encourage them to, you know, tell us about the many many beneficial uses of kabuki hero in crane decks because obviously that is the most broken card out there (laughs) Uh, you can also find us on twitter at twitter.com slash but for now this is kakita kaori may the fortunes favor you and i've been kova until we meet again keep your jade handy